0: Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Morgan, a host of the Alzheimer's World Summit for 2023. And it's my great pleasure to once again be with Judy Cornish, who's the author and founder of Dementia and Alzheimer's Wellbeing Network, the DAWN Network, creator of the Don Method, and retired elder law attorney. And she's written a couple of books, The Dementia Handbook and Dementia with Dignity. And she's really looking at a person-centered uh, result, which she'll explain what that means. And I could say much more, but we'll get into the interview and say that Dawn has really evolved something that is now growing into a worldwide phenomenon in terms of supporting caregivers. And now, even more recently, people with dementia themselves directly. And so, she's provided uh, counseling, private classes, and an online video program for families and home caregivers. And her goal is to help families learn how to truly support their loved ones and enjoy more compassionship as they live with dementia. So, Judy, an honor to be with you. Welcome.
1: Oh, you too. Thanks so much for inviting me, Michael.
0: Uh, Judy and I were were talking um, uh, prior to this, and one of the things that's inspired me, I know, in my own journey is how, what inspired uh, Judy to create the Dawn Method? in over 13 years, kind of like, what's, how did you develop your platform? Kind of like, what is some of the learning, uh, some of the lessons you've gone through over, over this period of time?
1: Boy, there's there's so many lessons. I think I've learned more. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was 2010. when I um, inadvertently began, uh, became involved with dementia care, I thought I was going to retire and practice uh, elder law part time in this lovely little town, Moscow, Idaho. Um, And it was uh, a neighbor across the street that um, that I just couldn't see her be moved into a care facility and and so I volunteered to help and within about six weeks Moscow being the kind of place it is within six weeks I had half a dozen elders living at home beginning to be a little bit forgetful and and the kids would call and say they heard that I was helping so and so and could could I check in on their dad or their mom um, who was also living there but um, you know, I, I think for me, the what a learning experience, because you just don't, um, I don't think I, I had ever anticipated writing a book, let alone learning how to publish a book or having a product. You know, Amazon Books is a learning experience in itself.
2: And
0: all that um, evolved over that period of time, right? It,
1: It does, you know, I began as an attorney, I had no idea how to use PowerPoint or how to um, put together an educational program. Um, you know, and I'm not very tech savvy, or I'm a lot more tech savvy now than I was when I began. And And in
0: 10 years, you basically created from a few people, uh, you wrote the book in a very quick period of time, as I recall, in about a year or so.
1: Yeah, well, no it was a little more than that because I yeah. you know in, in 2010 I I still thought I was going to be mostly an elder law attorney and then yeah. I was just going to have these friends who who were becoming a little forgetful and I I just dropped by and helped them out. And um it, within a, a month or two I was so swamped. The need was so great. i um, here in, in or in Idaho. I never did actually um get to establish a practice and begin practicing elder law my practice i had left was in oregon so you know that but the need is incredible and you know actually i think it was my experience settling estates and working with people mm-hmm. with families when when you know the parent or the parents had died and um the the estate needed to be settled and there was going to be a transfer of wealth to the next generation um and that i think it had a greater influence on on me becoming involved volunteering and then staying involved um than than probably any other factor
2: and
0: and judy and i are going to talk a bit more about that because not as a spoiler alert but we talked about and our, our friend that's another speaker we'd like to invite Bradley talks about how you have this intergenerational wealth and a shrinking middle class and what happens to all that wealth especially the last two years of someone's life where does that go yep and what are the costs what are the economics of that and I'm really fascinated to explore that but after you wrote your book then you created classes correct and then you created a training program
1: you know, right. I guess what happened, so it's, it all started in September 2010 and within a few months, I knew I could, well, f- for the first thing, I knew none of these people were going crazy. And right. so what little I'd heard about dementia or Alzheimer's or what happens, I just couldn't see that that was true. You know, I, I, I saw each of these people experiencing a, term, a very profound emotional distress because they were, they'd go to do something that they'd been doing their entire life and they would find themselves completely unable to complete a task due to memory loss or due to the inability to sequence or to see cause and effect. And so, um, I just wasn't seeing people um, following this trajectory of, you know, uh, fear and terror and complete loss of Mm -hmm. the, you know, losing my loved one twice. And it, it just, I wasn't seeing it. But I spent, so I spent that first five years, I spent more time, and I never did get back to practicing law. I spent more time with people who were experiencing dementia than people who weren't. And then in, it was January 2nd, 2015, I sat down and I started writing and and it was such a relief I wrote for five months and that was the book Dementia with Dignity and after I had written Dementia with Dignity then I began trying to figure out you know I had to learn how to use PowerPoint and and at that point I guess the catalyst for writing the book and developing the training programs was that the families were starting to come to me and eventually to my caregivers asking why is mom, why is dad so happy? Why are they so relaxed when they're with you? And then they're with me, they get upset. And, and so that was where I knew I needed to share what I had learned from my clients.
0: And and if I could ask, because you talk about in this discovery process, and you're a very good listener, I know for knowing you, uh, you talk about strength based training. And, and one of the questions I had is how is your approach different? Like, can you explain mm-hmm. what strength-based training means and and how that ameliorates that agitation because it's so obvious yeah. when everyone can miss it as they have been
1: it's you know i think we um we as a society we you know americans or maybe it's uh, western culture we don't do a lot of thinking and there isn't a lot of education in our school <laughs> system about <laughs> our cognitive skills yeah and um you know so so what i what I was seeing the very first thing I saw and you know as an attorney um sorry telephone um, but as an attorney you you were very aware of your thinking skills and your memory skills but um you know I was educated in Canada and, and I know we studied uh, Greek philosophers when I was in elementary school mm mm-hmm. And so for me when i began spending time with people who are experiencing dementia it took me a month or two to put my finger on it but pretty soon i was i realized wait a minute these guys are losing rational thinking skills but they're not losing their intuitive thinking skills now that's critically important to understand if you're the companion because if i'm losing my rational thinking skills yeah that's true i'm losing a toolbox i'm losing you know a set of tools that's what rational thinking is it's the tools that help us be productive and operate in a technological advanced society we lose those tools okay but if you don't understand that your loved one is unable to see cause and effect then you're going to be demanding that they use that skill where if you don't understand that when you say um, honey you need to put on your shoes and socks you've just asked that person to perform a sequence two steps in a row and you even gave them the steps in the wrong order you asked them to use memory as well and so we say to ourselves that we understand dementia yes yes you know we went to the neurologist and they said my loved one is losing executive functioning and they said that my they're losing memory and i can tell of course they don't remember things they ought to but then we don't internalize that and come to an understanding of what it means to not have those specific skills and that's bad enough because we keep keep demanding that our loved ones do what what they cannot do which of course doesn't ever work well in a marital relationship or in a partnership (laughs) right and it never works well when it's the child demanding the parent do something you know we get upset we get uh, we get embarrassed, we get irritated, we get frustrated, and then there's conflict, and then the relationship breaks hmm. down. But and, it's and important, just... you know, to talk about strengths. Yeah. As bad as it is to demand that, that, that somebody you are intimate with do things they can no longer do, it's far worse if you don't understand what they are doing. And so we need to recognize the strengths that are in dementia, that those intuitive thinking skills. And I think we become better at using them as we lose our rational thinking skills.
0: Now, let me, let me interject here, because this is what I've appreciated. It's taken me a while to appreciate what you do. You're not so much doing anything to affect people with Alzheimer's, but you're training the caregivers how to understand what they're saying and how to relate to them, correct? Right.
1: Yep.
0: And you even have an eight-week class. I mean, if you can give me 25 words or less, like, in that eight weeks, you're actually training the caregivers to listen to what's going on with their loved yes. ones. So why does it take eight weeks and, and what's involved in that retraining of the caregiver themselves?
1: We do have to retrain ourselves, you know, yeah. especially if, if we're talking about family relationships or intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. We, we, You know, the longer you are together, the more you have these ingrained dances that are a part of the relationship. Yeah. You behave in this way. You say that. I do this. I I respond in this way and we accommodate each other And, and relationships are built upon meeting each other's emotional needs. So when one of us begins to lose certain skills and begins to hone and become better at using other skills, the person who is the companion must regroup, must learn new patterns. But it begins with awareness. And so, you know, those eight classes, it's um, the seven emotional needs caused by dementia. You know, we have security needs caused by the skills we lose. And we have well-being needs that carry on. All of us have well-being needs. But um, it takes eight weeks. And I'll present one concept at a time, but then you, you have a week to practice it and a week to Consider it and and watch your interactions, and consider your inter- interactions until you become aware, and, and that's when we become able to make changes. We we can't, um, we you know, and I know you you with your work and um, people like uh, Dr. Bretterson with his book, um, there are ways to slow down the pr- process, the progress of dementia or Alzheimer's. And there are ways to um, now. Now we know there's ways to avoid developing it in the first place. But for most of us, it's it's the the first step is to realize you can work with it. And when somebody's experiencing dementia, you'll need to work with it, but in a different way than you've been used to in the past.
0: Well, and it's it's so fundamental, Judy. What you're saying for people that are just listening, it's like. You can see how the frustration can build in the caregiver, but also yeah. the person affected. Oh yeah. In a way, it's potentially, funnily enough, a win-win. But the caregiver needs to know that their emotional and other needs may not be met, yep. And then, and that causes frustration from their side. And then the person that's affected with dementia gets frustrated because they're they're being asked to do things they don't know how to do anymore, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's both. And if you can defuse the situation on both sides by the caregiver, then maybe there can Absolutely. be a smoother transition. Life can be easier.
1: Life is easier. You know, I have one presentation I give called the gifts of dementia. And my trainers uh-huh. give that too. And and it is true, there are gifts to be enjoyed and gifts to be received when you work with dementia. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, in, I think in the in past decade or two, we, we hear so much about mindfulness. Well, what is mindfulness? To be mindful. Why would a, why would a person want to be mindful? And the, the goal is to become more present, become more able to enjoy the good things in life. And where are the good things in life? They're in the present. You know, companionship doesn't live in the past or the future. It's in the present. Beauty lives in the present all the good things are in the present and so we want to practice them to be mindful to enjoy what's in the present well the person who's experiencing dementia they're not being mindful they can't choose to be mindful if they've lost the ability to direct their own attention which is one of the things that happens but but hey they're living in the present fully equipped Hmm. to enjoy it so you know it's this is working with dementia That's what to be Mm. strength-based really, you know, means. You're going beyond being person-centered and moving away from Mm. disease to person. But now we're going to learn what works and and what we can Mm.
0: do. Now, Judy, I I have to ask, because this is a whole other angle. You know, you've heard about aging in place. That's a big thing now. I know from some of your friends I've interviewed. How does your method, the Don Method, help dealing with the economic consequences of aging and Alzheimer's and like what are the consequences of not moving into senior living? Can you maybe comment, out, comment on that a little bit?
1: You know, I remember back there uh, before 2015, and at some point somebody told me that wandering was a real problem and people needed to be medicated and locked up because mm-hmm. when they experienced dementia, they were gonna wander. And I remember like, what? <laughs> I just I I didn't even know about it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even
1: though I had all these people living at home, many of them alone in their own homes experiencing dementia and um the if the minute you move somebody into care and i know generally the truth looks like this you have an adult who is aging in place in their own home and they're beginning to become a little forgetful or maybe they're beginning to make rather poor decisions which mm-hmm. is probably the first thing we notice when somebody is losing rational thinking skills, Um, they become unable to perceive risk. But um, instead of providing them targeted support through understanding what their developing needs are, and Mm -hmm. what it is they're becoming unable to do, we let them carry on until they fail and when they fail that's traumatic it's it's very difficult for the person to fail and it's difficult for the family and it's going to be expensive because as soon as they've been traumatized by getting lost losing the car getting into a car accident you know having a kitchen fire whatever it was that the catalyst that got the family to say, that's it, mom, dad can't stay home anymore, they're going to move into assisted living where they will be safer. A trauma has already occurred, and it's really the whole family.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Once you go to assisted living, and you're taking the person out of that familiar location, their home that they've been in, now you've taken away from them two skills that have been helping them function at a higher level. You're taking away automatic thinking scripts and muscle memory. And so they go into assisted living and very quickly they fail again. They're traumatized already, but now they're going to get traumatized a second time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that then means we're going to have another incident. Somebody's going to end up in skilled nursing or somebody's going to end up in memory care. Now you're looking at thousands of dollars per month. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that happens, it's, it's an increasing amount because that cost of care will increase monthly. It's going to get more and more costly.
0: Just as they have to deal with more and more emergencies, so to speak.
1: Right. And they're, you know, that the, if they, they, you know, maybe the corporation tells you, oh, it's going to be 6,000 a month. Well, that's your room and board. That's the base rate. That's not. You getting any assistance at all, getting, um, taking your medications, or that's not having somebody come and telling you that lunch is ready and down the hall in the dining room. So, you know, or okay, having
0: issues. to go to the emergency room if there's some emergency, right?
1: Um, needing a ride to the doctor's office, um, needing yeah. you know, needing incontinence product, products, um, you'll end up paying for everything right down to the gloves the nurses are using. And so it's exceedingly expensive. And you know, and actually, back when I was practicing elder law, when I worked with clients, I just saw two two categories. you know, I worked with the family where I was settling the estate, and um, there was money to be passed on to the next generation. and you know the inherit there was an inheritance and and the kids were going to be able to pay off mortgages, they might be buying new cars cash. Um, grandchildren were going to go to college and not have to take out student loans that was one family now the other family there was no money and the kids would be paying me to settle the estate the parents were bankrupt and the difference more often than not nine times out of ten the difference was whether or not the couple or the parent who died was experiencing dementia as soon as you have to pay for long-term care, it it's bankrupting the middle class we are losing our inheritances to long-term care so the longer you can stay home the better even if you're counting it in months you're you're um, creating a benefit for the family
0: and judy and i had had a you know prior conversation and i've looked at that in terms of cranial sacral even if you can delay a few months because the average cost well even in iowa is as cheap as three thousand to 12,000. dollars That's the absolute range. So every so month it was you can a lot save. More here.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Plus all
0: the add-ons. So every month you yep. can save, hate to put it this way, but you might be saving 30, 40, 50, 100,000 a year times 3 years just as a right? A
1: there few and some, that's
0: that may yeah. be the difference between passing along wealth or not.
1: Right. It is very Now hard. that's
0: not to say that we're saying, you know, assisted living and memory care doesn't have a place. But it has a place. Yeah, if yeah. someone from your side, I'm just making two distinctions from your side with your training, if the caregivers can understand and their frustration level is lowered, yeah. create a team with the family, then that may allow longevity and quality of life to, uh, to remain yeah. for quite some time longer. So that's the savings. As yeah. well as the subjective quality of life, I'm saying with a cranial, maybe we can even slow the progression and
2: yeah. bring it
0: to a halt. Possibly, yeah. you couple those two things together, and all of a sudden you're looking at prevention as well as development and an economic savings. It, it.
1: You're you're looking at the difference between the grandchildren being able to afford to go to college or not. You know this uh, to to have to put. Um, A generation's savings into long-term care shapes the destiny of generations to come. Well, that's
0: the quote of the hour. That is the quote right there.
1: Say that again.
0: Say that again, Jenny.
1: When when a generation loses its savings to long-term care, it shapes, it reshapes, it determines the trajectory for the for coming generations not just the next generation but for generations
0: just such a need to approach things differently yeah i know you mentioned one thing about the long goodbye and i just want you to uh, say just a minute about memory keepers in the long goodbye maybe why that's not necessary could you
1: i you know yeah i we you know we the alzheimers association has done great work on the other hand um, because the Alzheimer's Association was formed with the purpose of raising money to find a cure for a very specific disease that represents a small amount um, of all of us and all the different types of dementias we experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it has done us a disservice, and I think we need to think about it, because if you want to raise money, you need to you, your approach is fear-mongering. And so people, you know, all, everyone in my generation and my kids' generation, we all think of dementia, Alzheimer's, oh my goodness, what can you do? There's nothing to do. We need to donate money. It's a terrible thing. People go crazy. Oh, you know, we, we need to donate money and get this thing cured. Well, you know, we'll never cure dementia until we cure people's lifestyles and until we see people making good choices, educated choices like cranial sacral and um, you know thinking about the types of fats we eat and whether and how sedentary we are all of these choices um but when we we've adopted this long goodbye or you know people say I have lost my loved one twice Mm -hmm. first to dementia then to death right and boy, boy one of the first things I realized when when I was spending time with clients with you know my friends who were all experiencing dementia well, they're losing their memory skills, but I'm not. I have mine, right? And I'm the companion. And as they're losing their their ability to recall and access information from the past, I you very quickly realize there are some stories people tell over and over and over again. Especially when they forget that they've already told you the story. Mm-hmm. Well, those stories are very important. Clearly, they're very important to the person because the person keeps repeating them. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is knowing I was keeping my memory skills and she was losing hers I would memorize her stories. And I would memorize her stories with her words and her phrases. And and then you know or his and and as my client would progress the time would come when they would not be telling me those stories anymore. So I would I would begin. I would add the story I would prompt. I'd say, you know, Mary, you know, John, I remember you telling me how you met your wife, Annie. Oh, and she was so beautiful. You told me you met her at a county fair. Oh, I remember what you told me. And then I would tell that person their story. Now they repeated the story many times, so I know it's one of the key stories of their lives. And when we do this for our loved one, then we use our memory skills on their behalf. And they we do not lose them and they do not lose themselves. I've even had, at one point, one of my clients, she was very close to, uh, to the end, her death. And um, I remember going to the, the care facility where she was and um, was let in. And the caregiver said, who are you here to see? And I said, I'm here to see Mary. And she kind of looked at me. She said, well, Mary can't talk. Mary's Mary's you, that's a waste of your time. She can't talk. She won't know who you are or what you're doing. She has dementia. I said, I know. I know Mary has dementia, and she and I have been friends for quite a while. And that's okay. I'm here to see Mary. Well, you're wasting your time. She hasn't opened her eyes in weeks and she can't eat. And everybody we have to do everything for her. And she's in fetal position and and she it's just a total waste of you should come meet one of these other clients, one of these other residents. And I said, That's okay. I'm here to see Mary. Now I went in. And I sat down, or I actually, I got a chair and I pulled it up and placed the chair so that if Mary opened her eyes, I would be right there. I didn't touch Mary because I know Mary has memory loss. She wouldn't know who was touching her. But I sat down in the chair and I said, hey, Mary, it's Judy, your good friend, Judy. I love you and you love me. Oh, let me tell you, We've been friends, oh, let me think. I think it's been about eight years now. And one eye began to open just a little bit. Now she took a little sneak peek like she couldn't believe her ears. And as I sat there, I worked all the way through our happy memories between me and Mary being friends, hanging out for eight years. And then I worked my way back. I started telling her stories about how she met her husband. and And I told her all the stories I'd memorized about her children. Now, I had a goal. Here's my goal. My goal was to make sure that Mary knew who loved her and who she loved, and I wanted Mary to know that she had lived a very good and worthwhile life in her own terms. What were her stories? Now, as I talked, and I was there about a half an hour, but as I talked, Mary's, you know, first that one eye and then both eyes and by the time I was telling her stories about meeting her husband she was laughing she was chuckling she was reaching out eventually we both she's reached out she is holding both my hands and when I had to go when I stood up to go she puckered up and asked for a kiss now that is not <laughs> losing Mary to dementia so this is, this is like, this is called mm. strength-based care, recognizing mm. the strengths of the person. And, and
0: <laughs> Judy, that uh, we've gone a little over, but okay. I want people to know how to get in touch with you. If, can you see who Judy is and how she's training people? That's like so touching. I hadn't heard that story before. It's how so can people, uh, how can people find out more about what you're doing?
1: It's, um, the website is thedawnmethod.com. And Dawn is D-A-W-N for the Dementia and Alzheimer's Wellbeing Network. But it's the Dawn Method. And uh, the Dawn Method is just strength-based care. And um, you know, for families, we have the classes with a dementia coach, and that's the best way to Mm -hmm. retool, retrain yourself so that you can carry on and and keep your, your relationship.
0: And we'll have that information on the website, too, so you can find out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Judy Cornish, not only a brilliant intellect, but what an incredible heart. Thank you for all your stories and everything you bring to this. Thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's always fun. Thanks, Michael.